0: everybody welcome to the modern Nui podcast it is october twelfth, and fall is here the weather is cooling down here on the east coast and hope everybody's doing well no matter where you are but yeah so we wanted to talk story today continue our conversation from last week's thursday where we had jazzy and Aaron and paul Ahi come on and talk about people versus profit, indigenous peoples, and the things that matter to us versus capitalism and the need to focus on money-making activities, essentially. And whether or not, you know, what, what our feelings or what the community has been saying about the reopening of Lahaina to tourism. We talked about how, why that matters. Like for those people who don't understand the reality on the ground is that the hotels, the hotels in Lahaina were what was being offered via for the FEMA and Red Cross programs to those who have been displaced by the fires. So with the return of tourism, then that would obviously re-displace these people again, reignite the trauma that is already there, that people are already dealing with, and subjecting them to yet another phase of uncertainty where they don't know if they're gonna have a stable place for themselves their family multi-generational families lots of people in houses it's one of the unique things about hawaii that i don't think a lot of people understand so i just wanted to raise that again i think the most that i saw in in terms of videos and things like that was like one house of 25 people so just imagine if you have to have 25 people s- squeeze into one hotel room. Like, I'm sure it's not just one hotel room, but that's the kind of things that is serious. And then to have to give up that space, that little bit of space that you have so somebody can come on vacation. That's, And then if they're working in the hotels and tourism, you got to put on a freaking smile when you're like literally just trying to survive. So I just wanted to contextualize that for the audience because it's one thing when you talk about these concepts put on paper and you talk about it. But when you see and experience like what these people are actually going through, like what that means as a human, as a person, as someone trying to protect your ohana or your family, I think it just it hits a a little different. And if you can empathize and put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's going through that. I think it should be easier for us to want to help. So Aaron has been doing uh, a lot of work with the community, both from Arizona, where he's at, with Huahamane, which all of us are involved with. But he's actually blessed to be able to go home more often and help out Kokua with the community, even though he's coming from the continent. So I just love the way our community continues to rally around and support each other in a time when it would be easy to just turn the other way. It'd be easy to do that, but that's not how kanaka maoli are. And I like to see that our values are still deeply instilled um, in us, no matter how far we might be from the people. So this week, just wanted to continue the conversation. Um, Aaron had shared some great stories um, and Jazzy has great questions um, and helping us to continue this conversation. And, um, yeah, we just, you know, we wanted to uh, shout out Huakamana again because Kanoi and Caleb and our Ulu, which are our crisis counselors that are now officially certified by the state and on the ground helping our communities on Maui Island, as well as those who have been displaced to other islands like Molokai and I believe Lanai too. So, multi-island approach, lots of people helping in a lot of different places. And we just wanted to mahalo them because they're doing a lot of great work. And to everybody who has donated to Hoaxamana, whether it's through your product donations or through your generous financial donations, mahalo nui, words cannot express the gratitude. But if you would like to check out and see the impact of some of the contributions, you can go to hoaxamana.org. And I put that back up again. And check out the website, see their mission, what they're doing. And then you can also check them out on IG where we're posting updates on what is going on, the activities that the volunteers are working on, the packaging of all the wonderful donations. I just saw some great ones today of kiki Polo or kiki packages that are going out. And I like those because that's to me is like multi impact? It makes the Kiki happy, which makes the, the parents happy. <laughs> Can we get a little a little break, a little little rays of sunshine? So mahalo to everybody who's helping to do that. So with that said, I'm going to hand over to Jazzy. And we just talk story and continue the conversation.
1: Mahalo, sis. Yes, absolutely. Like I said in our Ho'akamana meeting on Tuesday, Ho'akamana has become an ohana. There has been a lot of people that We're able to help out in the beginning and then everyone's either doing their own thing or they just had other life events that took them out. This is something that I believe the three of us and the rest of our Hoakamana family is very dedicated to. And in the words of our leader, Kanoi, it's, we're doing this to help because it is our kuleana. At the same time, it's also to help them get back on their feet too so this isn't about just helping them while they need help it's also encouraging them and supporting them as they continue their journey and are able to get back to a productive life because mana is definitely a part of all of us and to be able to help when it needs help and then keep encouraging to where when they can stand on their own too then they know they did it we're not here to to just feel pity. We're here to lift and uplift. And with that being said, I want Aaron to chime in and share his absolutely incredible, amazing story of when he went down and volunteered at a hub, um, he met and encountered someone with a pretty yeah. in- amazing story. So I'm just going to let him go ahead and tell it.
2: Malo. Yeah, I I totally forgot to mention this last time he was talking because we got into some other topics, but this was probably actually one of the most inspirational things that happened to me while I was there, or at least that I was able to witness on the ground there. So the first day that I was at the Honokawai Hub, I had Uncle John Kinamaka. I think I had mentioned on the last show that he had been talking to me for a couple of hours about just that whole day where the fires happened. And soon after that, a lot of people started coming in. So there's always people coming in period, periodically throughout the day, dropping off supplies, picking up supplies for their Ohana. And it, it they had just started coming, started coming in like a, in heavy numbers. And I had this brother with me, his name is Kamanao. He's actually from that area. And he had been there for, since the, kind of the beginning stages of that hub had opened. So he just used to seeing all the, the missing person signs that are up there. He's very familiar with the faces that are on there and this one truck comes through and there's two brothers in it the guy driving he well, one how looking guy he, he's oh this guy needs some this guy needs some help and the guy was in a passionate passenger seat oh what you, what kind of help does he need and he has no id or anything he locks everything in the in the fires and he's just trying to find some help here and then coming out kind of like looks at him yeah and he, like he kind of like recognized the guy and then he like walked over to there's like a fence right over there on the side of the road has all the missing person signs out from the FBI. Oh, he like pulls out one of the the missing person signs out and they back to the truck and he like holds it up and uncle, this, is this you? And then he goes, oh yeah, that's me. And then we was all like, we was all like tripping out. Oh, even now, like, I, I swear <laughs> it's like chicken skin moment. Yeah? And it was just beautiful to witness. Cause you talk about all these people that was missing and a lot of speculation out there as to where all these people are. Yeah? And he had been, I mean, it'd been like six weeks Yeah, Nobody's seen the guy, nobody's heard from him. And then he shows up one day and it was just unreal to see. So we had him, we have a lot of help there as far as monomedics medics and people with that kind of information. We have one near there. Her name is Amy. She immediately got on the phone calling the FBI and gonna talk to you. Basically talked to him about, or talked to them about clearing his name off the list because we just found him. And then he had gone through just all the resources at our hub to get whatever kind of help he needed, whether it was like mental health or, or whatnot, got all the help that he needed that day, was able to contact his family and speak to his children, which he was, obviously it was like emotional for him. But I had, I didn't really get to see much after he had went into the back because I was busy at the front, yeah, with the supplies. But one of my friends that was there, he actually went to Kohuku. He, he works at the, the tour guide place in Maui, so, but he's actually there a lot with the tour bus dropping off supplies. Like he actually, I saw a video of him. He actually like small of interviewed him, talked to him on that day that we found him. And I remember the guy saying that he was, he had, he was just numb all the way up until that day until he was able to talk to his, his daughter. And he said he just broke down, started crying, but he said he emotionally, he was like, just lost, yeah. But it was just awesome to witness that and to know that there's still hope out there for somebody's missing people, even though they've been gone. I mean, missing for a long time, I mean, six weeks, that's a long time for nobody to be knowing, knowing where you are. And then just off of that, I was thinking about all like the misinformation or actually like just maybe speculation that's out there. Coming from the continent, especially, yeah. Because before I got there, there's all these things that you hear of things that are up in the air as to, oh, what happened to these people? And I think it, a lot of it is because of the state hasn't really released a lot of information and then now it gets people thinking like, oh, could it be this or that? So one thing that, that was like on my mind was like about the, the children that were, people were saying, oh, there's, because I think when the Department of Education came out and they had the numbers for the kids that like going back to school. It was like one or 2,000 of those kids that weren't on, that were unregistered. And people, I don't know one concern that people had at least that were not on the ground in Maui, people from either the United States or just on the continent era, wherever, not in Hawaii, a lot of the things that people were saying was like, where's all these kids that like, and there's a lot of speculation about these kids, but when I got there, I talked to some people and I never got the feeling that there was. That many kids missing it, it. It sounded more to me like there was just had so much things going on. Like the families had lost everything, and that just wasn't a priority at that time to put the kids back into school. So they're not necessarily missing; they just haven't registered them back in school because they're still trying to deal with all these other issues with housing, with food. Like some of these families, they they not they not just going to one hub and getting supplies. They driving to like hubs all over the island because. Not everybody has everything. Not everybody has diapers. Not everybody has whatever kind of supplies that they might be needing at the, at their particular time. So that's another thing that's hard for these folks is they, like some of these people like Kupona, for example, like not everybody had one bank account. A lot of people had their stuff in their house. Like their money was all in their house and now they have, they literally have nothing, all their, all their money is gone. So they have to, they have to go to these hubs to get stuff because they don't have money to buy things right now. So, but that was just like an awesome thing to witness on that first day that I was there. And it kept me motivated to throughout the day. I mean, it was a good feeling to see that. So I just wanted to share that with you guys.
1: Thank you so much for sharing. I I still get goosebumps and chicken skin every single time we, we talk about it because it's one of those situations where you're just like, wow, to witness that happening. Somebody no. who just showed up, needed help, and you happen to be at the this, the place that you got to see that spark of hope, that part yeah. of reunification, even if it was just by phone with Yo. his kids. and. I definitely want to snowball a little bit into the conversation topic that you brought up about the misinformation because I am in full agreement with you being here on the continent mm-hmm. and not knowing anybody personally from Maui other than what I hear from our meetings and whatnot. Yeah, there is a lot of either misled information or missing information, which is why I believe Moana really wanted to touch on who are really good people to listen to and to look at as far as information goes on social media because there is so many people who will just post just to get the likes and the views and the followers and all of that and even for someone like me whose heart and soul is just so still connected to home and when a lot of this stuff started coming up i'm as a mom i'm just like yeah where are the kids yeah what's going on and it just it made my heart break because that was my biggest thing because it's it's just one of those things that you want to believe that people that are, I'm going to do bunny ears here, but middle age can figure out how to take care of the kapuna and the keiki. But when keiki gets messed with, that's when the rest of us are kind of like, that's when we all rally together. And so thank you for sharing that perspective and that that information, because you're right. There's no way. There's no way that I could even fathom the thought of trying to start a school year when I can't even figure out where we're gonna be for the next night or all of the other things. And to know that it's to keep sharing that regardless of it being two months ago or it's been a little bit longer than that now, but it's not done. It's not it's it's over. Like I do understand. And had seen from our reliable sources that yes, there is the cleanup that's going to be starting. Yes, there is the small homes being built so that people can actually have something that's not just I don't know as temporary as a hotel room or a B and B or something like that. So that's a little bit more stable until they can get their houses built. But we still have that high stress. We still have that high trauma that is still going on, like he said in our last podcast, where a lot of them haven't even made it to PTSD yet because they're still living in it. And knowing that suicide rates and domestic violence has really been on the rise that hit home for me when I heard about that a couple of days ago, because those are things that I either experienced or witnessed or was around for. And I can't even, my heart truly goes out to them. And this is why I'm so excited for Hoakamana to have their Ulus because, yeah, they're the Ulus. They're not there to be, oh, I'm your crisis counselor. How can I help you? That's that's very Not kanaka. We go in there with the, I'm here to listen. I'm here for you to vent to. If you just want to sit on the beach and cry, I'm here. I'll sit next to you. You're not alone. And I feel like that's where we are so rooted in as a kanaka is we don't want anybody doing anything alone, period. It's always going to be about our ohana. And ohana was never just mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, and the kids. It was the community. It was the island. Everybody was Ohana. And that's where I think a lot of why we do what we do is such an impact. Even for you, Aaron, you are not just helping as Hoakamana. You are doing it as Aaron, as yourself, not just because you're a firefighter, but because that's just within you. And you are heading back there soon, aren't you?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm planning on going back on the um, 18th of this month. I'm a bit different situation than most people because I do, because I'm a firefighter in my schedule, it allows me to go home for certain periods of time that most people might not be able to to do um, at their job. So when I first started this thing, Ho'akamana was awesome because I was looking for ways to help from Arizona. So this is before I even went back. The first time I went back to Maui and they, all they basically did was open up a whole bunch of other avenues for me and people like, like you that are on the, on our meetings every week, have new ideas and ways that we can help. So uh, that's awesome for people that cannot make it in person. But luckily for me, because I want, I'm, I want to be like hands-on. I've always been like that kind of person is I want to be hands-on. Whether it's helping someone or, or, or no matter what it is, if there's a kahel that goes out, then I want to, sh- I just show up, but I'm planning on going back on the 18th and I'm going to be spending a day with the mount of because I did see there was a kahel that went out and a sign up for the, uh, the families going back to sift through their properties and support for them. So I did sign up for an entire day of that with them. And then I also want to go back to Honokawai to see the boys over there that I was with and the the Ohana over there that runs that hub because I've become, when you meet people there, like you want to, uh, I think it's important to go back if you can. But I also know there's other hubs out there that might be in need depending on, on what's going on at the time. So I know one thing that came up was the building of. Um, small homes and I did want to try and see if I can get my hands in on that and, and do some work there if possible. So that's one thing that I'm going to be looking at. And then I know Kanoi had said that she wanted a day where we can ship stuff over from Molokai and then be able to take it over to some hubs that are in need over there. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done over there. And like I said last time, this is a long, this is going to be going on for a long time. So they're always going to need help I would say at least a couple of years, probably, if you really think about how long this rebuilding uh, is going to take. So if you're someone that can not help right now, it might be a time in the future for you where you are able to help maybe like summertime or throughout the, throughout the year, like people have more days off of work and there's always, I would say, keep, keep, keep in touch on social media with people. I mean, there's a lot of good resources out there. As to what's going on on the ground, if you follow certain places, there's kaheas going out and you can keep in touch that way and, and maybe be able to sign up for things. But I don't think there's, they're always going to need people coming in. And I think, especially if you're Kanaka, that's going to be the, probably the best help just culturally, I'm not saying that vi- visitors aren't welcome to help out, but if, if you're a visitor and you're there and you can help, We'll take all the help we can get for, for our, our Maui Ohana. Yeah. But I think cultural healing is going to be a big part of, of healing our, our people there, just, and it, for example, when I went over and talked to the Lahaina Luna football team, I wanted to, I played with them at the end uh, of, of, after I talked to them and we all knelt down. We, as, as Hawaiians, you, you connect with each other and you can feel mana, so we all had our hands on each other. And then I just, I just bullied with them in Hawaii. Just things as small as that I think is important for our Keiki and then just, just our kanafa out there, I think it's going to be important for uh, this long road ahead of recovery there on the island.
1: Absolutely. I agree. So when you talk about Keheas. For those who are unfamiliar with what that means and how they can find those, we're asking for the genuine souls, the ones that are actually about the kuleana, about the responsibility and the diligence to want to get involved. Um, We, of course, will let them know about Ho'akamana and how, especially if they can't physically get there, how their monetary donations are going to be directed and what it's used for to follow on their social medias. It's not about broadcasting. It's about holding that integrity and making sure that Hawakamana is delivering on what is being said. So when you talk about kaheas, can you share with those who are listening what that means and really what, what kind of integrity and kuliana comes with that?
2: Uh, yeah, so kahea is just like when somebody puts out the word that they need help with something in particular, it's just called a kahea. So they're just asking for help from, from the community. So they, they're either short on people or like, for example, Hualakamana, when we did those pu'olo bags, it was all these supplies that we had donated, sent down there from all over the continent, but they needed people to actually put these these bags together. So Kanoi put out a post Asking for help. And that's just kind of like what a kahea is, is when you, when you're putting the message out there that you need some kind of help in return. So keeping in touch with that kind of stuff on social media is pretty good. I follow, I think it's the, the, the amount of medics always puts out kaheyas every now and then for they need. I think there's some hubs out there that might have Facebook pages that they put out kaheyas or Akamana obviously puts out stuff. So depending on who you follow, you you can find work if you if you if you really want to help there's there's always things that that are going on things now things in the future so yeah
1: thank you for sharing that i there's a lot of people that watch from near far from home from the continent even in different countries and i know that there's people that always want to know how to help or whatnot and just as you mentioned earlier we're not asking Tourists to not visit the part of Maui that is still functioning at the same time, just have that mindfulness and compassion of understanding that there's a certain area on that island specifically that they haven't been able to begin their healing process. And it's hard to think that anyone should feel entitled to be able to be placed somewhere that someone is calling their home. And like we talked about in the last podcast, a lot of people have that mindset of they don't care until it happens to them. And no, we don't wish that upon anyone. But because it is happening to our ohanas back home, it became our problem. It became our business. It became something for us to tackle and to take on with them and to let them know that they're not alone. So mahalo, Aaron, so much for your time contribution, your energy contribution. I know your hula halau in Arizona did a lot of contributions as well. And of course, our fearless leader, Moana, as well, she works tirelessly and just wearing so many hats. We're always, all of us, we're always just okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, all of it. So just I think is- to mahalo both of you, because it's just, it means a lot to know that we have it and we have each other. Yeah.
2: What? Well, and I think that's, that's part of the Kuleana that we carry as Kanaka too. Yeah. Is we have kuliana to our people, no matter where we are and to our islands. So when there, when there's times where our people or our islands are in need, then, then we show up. Yeah. And we come back. And I think another interesting thing that I realized like throughout this whole thing, especially when I started wanting to really help and you trying to reach out to people who can help. The one thing I noticed is that the people that know more money really like help and be on the ground there. And the people that get plenty of money, they don't really do that work. Like they don't like help. Yeah. So, or at least not do the physical work. So I think if we can maybe, maybe combine the the two. Yeah. So the people with money that that don't like do the actual physical work can contribute to the people that are doing the work. And then, then that's how we can come together too, because let's be real in this, in this time or at this time, and like in this American system that we're in, everything costs money. Yeah. I mean, it would be great if, if we could go back to our roots where things just required work and we could just feed ourselves. Yeah. But currently that's just not how our system is on the island, but hopefully one day things especially with schooling and that's probably why I would say a lot of people never send their kids back to school because if if they were going to farm school I would send my kid back because that's something in, you'll need right that's something that I mean if you're thinking about the next couple of years stuff's gonna cost money but if you're if you're someone that can learn how to farm and learn how to grow your own food it's gonna make things easier on you especially financially in the future so that's what I mean by when I say us healing as healing culturally, it's not just like your mental well-being, but just learning culture can help you heal in the future and make things easier for you and, and take the burden off of things, just getting back to your roots. And that's why that's, that's another thing I mentioned to our Kiki or the, the kids that I spoke to at La Luna Football. I was like, hey, don't forget your roots. Yeah. No matter where you go, how much money you make when you get older or whatever, just don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you came from i think that's important to to always remember is, is where you grew up your cultures and just never forget that
0: yeah 100 percent, totally agree with that and i'm i'm just glad that my i've always been able to stay rooted and always reflecting back everything in my life like back to home back to home staying grounded and everything um but I wanted to touch on, I'm glad you brought up, like, kind of the money aspect again, because I wanted to, when we were talking, I can't remember, I think it was during one of our meetings, and you had mentioned, like, how, back to the capitalism piece, like, how the Airbnb owners are, like, exploiting this tragedy to their own devices for their own gain, Just like, one totally insensitive to what's going on but this is something that happens like even outside of this particular incident right and so I don't think people really realize it so so one of the things that Aaron was saying was that some of the Airbnbs was charging like $21,000 a month so he saw something on social media so I was like hmm that seems quite outrageous but if you really the math it makes sense. So let me share this because I go look on Airbnb. I'm looking right now. This is actual rates. And hopefully everybody can see that. Can I make us smaller? Yeah. So look at this. This is like on the website right now. I just use next month, November, as an example. But look, it's not lying 17,000, 14,000, 16,000 a month. Ridiculous. And if you think about it, the hotels on this side of the island are like astronomical, even in regular no fire time. So if you add, you make 30 days. Yeah. Okay. This makes sense. But this is the kind of stuff I mean, they, and they know because it's federal, federally funded programs for an indeterminate amount of time that they can charge whatever, right? Because they're going to get it because the government's involved.
2: But this is the kind of
0: ridiculous I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: Hey Mona, I like mention something too, real quick about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so people is uh, all over have been doing that on Maui. They've been raising the prices because they know that the government's involved and they can pay. Yeah, or so they like make. They're really in it for themselves, just trying to make more money. But not, now that people are doing that, so whatever funds we're getting from the government, and people say charge, char, overcharging on purpose, just because they know they, the government is going to pay out for these people to stay wherever. Yeah. So now you're depleting the the government funds faster than they should be depleted, which hurts Correct. the people. So I don't know. Just that's that's just the kind of things that we don't need. I mean, that's just kind of stuff's been going on for forever in Hawaii. Just people taking advantage of the people. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. and let's just have a kind of stuff that. And and people wonder why like Hawaiians and locals is is pissed off about. Certain things in Hawaii, look at uh, and this is the kind of stuff we talk we, we do all the time. Look hundred fifty nine
1: thousand guys. This is making my stomach turn. Like look at that: seventy four thousand. I, I just wow. I can't. Oh, I can't even. I mean, I agree, Aaron. It's it's depleting the. Oh. It's depleting where the need is supposed to be. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So if you, if you think about so, something that could under normal circumstances could maybe last three years and now people are spiking their prices double now only going to last a year and a half. Yeah. For these people. So, but people don't care when they, they're not living there. Yeah. All they care about is what they, what, what they see in their bank account. And that's got to change that kind of mindset.
1: Like, I, feel, I feel like if, if it's anybody that if any of you guys who are one of those people who are doing this are listening, hit that QR code, make a donation. Pretty please yeah. and thank you. Come on.
0: Yeah, and I think I could see uh, Kanaka looking at this and becoming even more depressed. But let me offer this perspective. These people are charging these ridiculous amounts of money. But I don't care how much money they get in the bank; they're never gonna get the aloha no. of what you get, even though your bank account is zero. Like people spend their entire lives trying to find the inner peace of what you have and what our community has, and they, they, they like they think money is gonna be the solution, and it's not. Money is a vehicle. It's a tool for enabling things, and it's about how you use your money, whether it's your resources, your time, your energy. That's what brings you fulfillment in life. So I, I what I've seen in the circles that I've walked in and been exposed to is, the, and I'm not saying this, saying this applies to everybody, but for the most part, these circles, these rich people, like, They have no soul. There's no, I don't know. They're just chasing like something that is non-existent, that money's never going to buy for them. And so I just, you know, I hope that people don't look at this and be like, oh my God, this is even worse. But just know that like you just being Hawaiian, you get plenty value, plenty mana, plenty aloha, like just in being you and being rooted to the aina that is richer than I don't care how much people money that people get. They only get money according to the system and the construct in which they have put in place. But the real vi, the real wealth, the real richness is right there in that land that we live on. So I hope that's I, I wanted to raise awareness and give people like the wild factor. Holy crap, this is ridiculous! It's not people are not just making this stuff up. But then also for our community, you don't have to define your life by. What's in your bank account? So, hopefully, that is helpful and not harmful and doesn't trigger people to the wrong direction because that's not the intent at all.
1: Oh. Well, it's what Aaron said. It's about going back to your roots, it's about knowing how to work the land, it's about all of that because, and I can honestly say that is so true and so relatable and resonating, not just if you're on island, it's literally everywhere. If you can oh my gosh, my cat, I'm so sorry. Share okay. the no. so something that I try to instill in even my kiki. They get frustrated. Oh it's too hot. Why do I have to do this? Why do we have to learn this? Da 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 you can just go to the grocery store and I'm like, what if the grocery store is not there? What if you don't have a fishing pole? Do you know how to make one? Mm-hmm. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know how to understand the weather and what it means? Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's all good.
1: She just says, "She has no
0: shame."
1: Popoki, yes, there she is. The <laughs> yes. she is. She's... But it's. I did a Google search once and was like, what is valuable? What minerals and resources are valuable in Hawaii? And not only was the kalo number one, but I mean, anybody who knows me knows it's not a secret. Jazzy loves her crystals. Black obsidian is one of the highest and most loved quality crystal. And do you know that majority of Black obsidians come from the islands. And mm-hmm. so does peridot. Mm-hmm. And these are crystals that are used for whatever people are using crystals for. I mean, crystals go back to even our indigenous cousins with the Indians. It's, it's literally, it's, it's within us. And when you think about that, and you think about what does black obsidian, the meaning of it, what, what do people say it, the energy it possesses? It possesses protection. It possesses getting rid of negative energy. It possesses literally what ohana and aloha mean is what a black obsidian can offer to people. So like whenever I've heard people say, oh, anytime I've been to Hawaii, I just felt at home and I felt at peace and I felt that I could do, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get her. I could just feel like myself. Well, that's because it is rooted it's rooted in the land, the land that we were always taught to take care of and to, oh, shit, so bad, to Kokua and to take care of. It's always been our business. And I remember being in school and going to Kalo Farms. And I feel really ditzy right now because I'm like, what is the what is it called when you go from Kalo, but it's the paste before it goes to Poi? Oh, Poi, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. You, there you go. Okay. Cause I was like, it, it's somewhere in there. So I remember I was so excited. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, boy's kind of runny. I want to, I want to try it like this. I had to wait because I did, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that, but you know, being away from home and just knowing where you come from, that translates and that will transcend beyond like Moana, Erin, all three of us. We don't have to be home to connect to home because it's in, like you said, it's our people and it stays within us and it's instilled in us and it actually transcends outside of us too. So it's, it's not a shock that a lot of us living in the continent are always told about how thoughtful we are, how even our wild personalities, if, if you will be, it's... It's part of us. If you look at our islands, it's not just about calm sands and beautiful beaches and coconut tree. Look, we will fire like Petlet if we have to. So we're all Im- embedded in all of it.
2: I think it's important to note too that so like in the system nowadays, everyone values money or at least some people do over, other, over, over most things. And I think it's important to remember us as Hawaiians. So Back in the ancient days, we valued our land and our, our resources, which, which we got from our land and our water. And back in old Hawaii, if you, if you hoarded things, like if you hoarded fish, nobody wanted to be your friend. Yeah. At least that's how I understood it. So just culturally the I mean, if you apply that to money, I mean, to like rich people and, and how they're. Taking advantage of the people that are in need. I just think it's important to remember that, or, or even for outsiders to see what the cultural difference is between Hawaiians and today's society. Um, I maybe try to be more like that. So I'm not saying like every rich person is hoarding money. I'm sure there's a lot of rich people that maybe helped out and maybe donated a fund. Uh, I think that it, that is one, one thing that I noticed is that Like people that don't have money, seems like they want to help. Like they want to go down there and they want to be hands-on and they want to get, they really want to be involved. And then people just in my experience, when I tried to reach out to people, the people that were in a position to help financially uh, all of a sudden you never hear from them again, never get no response. Like just went silent now. And that's kind of like, remember when I was telling you guys, when I first started meeting with. Turning in on the meetings with Akamana, like I was just discouraged by some of these people that I was involved with. And I know that like, for instance, like the school I went to, or even I even reached out to the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame. and Then all of a sudden I just stopped getting responses after, and I wasn't even asking for money. I was just asking if they wanted to spend a day sending some people down there just to spend with the kids. I wasn't even anything involved with just sending money to people, but just doing things for the KT over there. So yeah, I don't know. It's just some something that I just wanted to mention.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important to to raise because I I've, I've also not, noticed that too. But my dad was a, a fisherman and that's how I wrote my first book, just to memorialize him when he passed away. But when we was going through hard times after Nikki, he He lost his job, right, like in the hotels. I'm sure like many, many other people. And he was obviously went through his own version of kind of depression. But after a while, I think after he just kind of like. He was worried, but he wasn't like I I never really got a sense of like helplessness from him. And one of the things that I remember he told me is, you know what? As long as we are on this land, we're going to be fine. Because you know what? We may not have money, right? But you cannot eat money. I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to go to the ocean. The ocean's going to feed me. I'm going, if I get plenty, talking to abundance. I'm going to go share with the neighborhood. And that's like, he wasn't just talking. Like, that's purpose. And he was always blessed with plenty when he went fishing and he went to work the land and, you know, all of that. And he would always go share, right? So, Karma, whatever you wanna call it, you know what I mean? Like you reap what you sow, the things that you cultivate is what you get back. And so if you wanna cultivate greed, then you're gonna be on that journey of seeking more and more money, but still having no no fulfillment, no personal sat like no true peace, regardless of what's in your bank account. So yeah, just Mahalo Aaron for yeah. that reminder and that perspective for everybody
2: also this is like a a good time for people for teach their keiki how for or someone else yes because um, i mean there's no better time than to whether it's going down there or having your keiki even just write someone a letter or something like that it's a great time to teach your keiki how to help others wow. especially if you are hawaiian and you don't live there it's a great opportunity to, to teach them how to help your own people, even when you're not in the maybe on the same island or even thousands of miles away from them, and that's that's also just like I said, going back to your root, teaching your kids how to kuleana, a or someone malama someone or auto sing.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was essentially like one of the main messages in my book was not. Just teaching your kids to fish, which is what my my dad was doing for the for the kiki in this book. But like at the end was like teaching them how to help other people. And like they were already mindful and seeing what's going on around them. So I'll cry, but this like it was when I wrote this, I was I was really battling about whether or not to put homelessness into a children's book. Like Displaced peoples. But I'm like, how can I not put in it, it in there when it's one of the most challenging themes for our community? And so I'm so glad that I did because right now this, this story is so relevant, which is another reason why I wanted to make sure that I sent a whole bunch of them into Mali so that at least they can read the story and feel like uplifted a little bit. So I'm really, that's <laughs> why so I sent the videos to you. I was like, oh my God, let me not cry. But you know i I did that four years ago, and I ordered this ridiculous amount of books. Now ask me why I just I was like i it's my first book, I have this feeling that I'm gonna need a ton of them a literal ton. I moved a ton of books in my house but now, coming to this time like like Hawaii stopped too, right and like taking care of what you get and my me and, and preparing for when times might not be good i was able to send a whole bunch without even like as my father would say no shirt off my back you know what i mean here you go like he was literally that type if people i need help yeah, take them take my shirt here yeah. like you can have them i don't need it but that's like the vibe and the, the energy that I, I i get to put out there i i get to do it with his by honoring him and continuing yeah. to do that like for me, it it's really meaningful because for me, I keep my dad alive. I keep the spirit alive. This is what he would do if he was here. I would I'll be right next to him. Like whatever it is. We're gonna go help. We're gonna do whatever. I don't know, we know one real plan, but we just know that we're gonna go for help people. Yeah. And so yeah, Mahalo for reminding me about that. Cause sometimes you take even your own stories for granted and then you remember, oh, look at that. It's- the story helped me, but look how many people know that it can also help. And whether I, I obviously publish this book and I, I have a business that I run off of it. But to be able to balance that, which is another key part of our culture too, is to balance that with the helping piece and to, be able to do that without having to worry about the, life the livelihood of my own ohana to me is a huge privilege and honor to be able to do that. So Mahalo for that reminder.
1: Okay. We have to remember too. I don't, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Kanoi. We are our living ancestors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are. There's nothing that's within us that isn't front within us. So our courage, our, our mana, our strength, our abilities, all of that, even if we weren't. Taught as Kiki like wanted this. There's a lot of our culture that I was like, like, like you were messaging stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to sound really ignorant, but I don't know what this. I mean. But it's because I just not everybody back home was taught, but it's waking up in me. The more I'm around you guys, the more that we talk, the more we valaao, the more we put all of our energy together, it wakes up the sleeping parts and it just goes to show like I said ancestors they're they're within us and Moana I can't even express into enough words how your book not only is going to be a gift for those keiki but now they can also have something that resonates and shows them a light in something that seems so dark and dim. So I'm proud of you. I love you. Thank goodness you had all of those shipped in. Maybe your ancestors were like, Tita, just hold off for a little bit. We got something planned. Or there's going to be something that you can give this to that you're not going to feel so okay. But why? No, because when it happened, you're just like, shipping label, bye. Get it over there ASAP as quick as it can. And- no hesitation, and that's just—it's—it's it's inspiring. I mean, you guys inspire me every day. So I can't—I can't even imagine how much you guys are expi- inspiring others when you send the things that you guys have sent, whether through halal or through business, the work that we do, and Aaron with you going back again, and Moana, you going soon. Like that's—you guys have this amazing compassion, and I feel like. That's why we all bond with Hawakamana because it's authentic. It's real. It's organic. It's, it's just, it's raw. And it's, it's Hawaii, like the trueness of what Hawaii is. Cause we're not, we're not like, oh yeah, every day is a fun day. And we're all, you know, no, sometimes we get on there. We're like, look, sometimes it has to be serious, but we always find the gratitude. We always find the compassion and then. If it's hard, if it's discouraging, if it's something that's super stressful, something that I know Moana's is probably going to be like, Shh, hush, Jazzy, because I, I do it all the time. I'm always like, did you ground yourself today? Did you go outside? If you're stressed out, take your shoes off, get your feet in the dirt, get outside, go sit in the sun. I don't care. Take five minutes, turn the phone off, go away. And that's something that I learned from home is... Earthing or being grounded or just connecting because we were name a place that we couldn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I remember my feet being black by the when I was little. (laughs) But slippers. Slippers was was, run faster on your hands. I don't know. Those did it is
2: And we talk about these words, these Hawaiian words that we all we we all say. We all see my t shirts on hats about malama, about kakaho. Well, kokua, yeah. So when you teach your kids these these things, they're just words to them. Um, But when you can actually show them what these things mean, like my kids, for example, they they see me going traveling to Maui, buying things for Sen over there. They see me doing stuff with hoakamana. So this puts more meaning into those words for them. And then maybe when they're older, they can think back that time and they they remember what what that means to Malama someone, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that time dad was doing this or not. And then like my son, my youngest son, he's, when I first started doing this, like I took him to go, when we went and bought supplies, like we bought a bunch of supplies and it was like, it really wasn't that much money. But for him, it's a lot of money when it's like over a hundred dollars or whatever. And uh, like he mentioned to me, he's like, he's dad, well, how come you're spending so much money on like these people that you don't even know? And then I was like, well, uh. I was like, Michael. well, for, for one thing, these are, these are our people. We might not know them, but they're, they're from Hawaii. These are people on our islands where we, where we are from. So they are ohana to us. Um, and I wanted to stress that importance, that it's not just money. Like money really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and just put that in his mind that, that our, our people and their needs and and I, I would I told him, I was like, I was like, Hey, Michael, like, if you had lost everything that we have in our house right now, all your animals, all your, all your toys and all your clothes, everything was just gone one day, but you needed help. Wouldn't you want someone to help you? Yeah. To malama you. And I think that kind of put it in a little bit better perspective for him. And he was able to understand that. So, like I said, this is just a great opportunity for everyone to, who has Keiki to just show by example. Yeah, not just say what this means or what that means, but to just, you don't have to say, it. you just do, do these fine things for help and then they'll, they'll see that and, and, and it'll make sense to them and put more meaning into those words.
0: Yep, that's beautiful. The leading by example, that's, that's a big piece. Whether you're cakey or you adult, whatever, even. Sometimes you gotta teach adults, too. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, yeah, all of that about being a good role model, a good example, and living through experiences and helping to put yourself in the other person's shoes. No, oh. yeah, my 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 dad is huge on you. Know, my mom too. My mom's like the biggest heart. So, yeah. Love seeing those those messages. messages for Kiki too, because I see they're my niece and nephew too. So, so it's just it's interesting like how certain things resonate with them differently, and then you can use that as like the the teaching moment. Yeah. Oh, Auntie! Wow! Oh, yeah, you gotta help! You help, and that's why I think yeah, I was doing a vendor event when I was at home, author signing oh, event, and there was help with me at the table. They're like, "Oh, Auntie, how much money did you make?" And I think that night was pretty good. Like we did a good a good it was like two hours and i think we made, we sold like 25 books so like for him it was like almost 500 dollars and he was like oh my god auntie like you that you made like 100 okay three hours maybe it was three hours and so he did the math and was like, you made a hundred and something dollars an hour and he was like wow and i'm like yeah see so like this kind of stuff you make the money but that means you gotta give too because you know you gotta reciprocate that you gotta keep that balance going you know, that's the difference between, like, appropriation, appreciation. Like, not so much the fact that you're making money off of the culture. It's what are you doing with the resources that you then, you know, if you're going to take take from the culture, like most people do with this, whatever, this Airbnb, right? Like, they make this money and then they take it away from Hawaii. They don't reinvest it back into the community. They just take it. Whereas for Kanaka businesses, like, I've heard business owners before I feel guilty because like I'm making money. I'm like, yeah, but you're feeding your family. It's not like you're taking it away. This is like for the community. And so just trying to help like young kids think through that, be okay with making money. It's more about the purpose of it and like how you're gonna leverage those resources. I think it's helpful for them to understand too. Yeah. So many lessons. Unfortunately, like when there's difficult things that's happening we're navigating it, but it's like you said, Aaron, it's the best teaching things come out of challenges and difficulties. Yeah. And those are things that stick with you forever because I mean that's where a lot of mine I mine goes right back to Iniki. What happened to us? My parents broke out the whiteboard, they showed the bills, they showed the money, they showed the little bit smoking left over. And I was like, Oh, okay. So as soon as I can get on job, I can quit my job, so I can contribute to the house, I can get the things that I want without being much of a burden to my family and since then, it's that's just been how it is i get it okay a quick lesson sometimes you don't want to learn those lessons so early we like be kids a little bit longer but it's important
1: yeah. yeah
0: awesome well i think that's a great way to tie both of the subjects together fantastic conversation guys i, I think we, we we hit that's a really good pit- for <laughs> i need to talk about oh but yeah so mahalo again for sharing manao for those who are watching i hope you guys enjoyed it if there's things like that you guys want us to talk about more like other topics or aspects of things that you guys want us to explore or bring people other panelists on to continue let, let us know, leave comments, send us emails, Podcast at gmail.com. We really take the feedback and think about how we can incorporate it into the show. And yeah, I just want to also mahalo, which I haven't done tonight yet, is mahalo our sponsor, Papa Kahi, who has enabled a lot of this great work. They've been doing this important work in Hawaii for a, a long time now, and they're actually Partners with both Huakamana and the Mana Nui podcast, helping us to malama our Kanaka Mawale communities, both in the islands, in the diaspora, on the continent. So mahalo to them. Mahalo to Sherry, Kim, Jason, so many chariots. There's so many people in that organization that I've come to know over the last year or so. So mahalo to them. And yeah, so anything else we should you guys want to say before we sign off for tonight?
2: Well, I just want to say one more thing, cause I, I was thinking I was talking about it last time and then yeah. I don't know, I got sidetracked and then I never really finished what I was saying, but um, I was saying, so in, I think we were talking about just being genuine in what you do when you go help. Yeah. And not will just go there for, for your social media or whatever is so. But I actually did ask, coming out when I was a few, a few days ago, I actually shot him a text and asked him if the people there actually, like, if that encourages them now, yeah, when they see like. Reels of people or videos or whatever on social media, helping and doing things in Maui, and and that is actually one thing that really he said is a positive thing for the people over there. So when they see people, especially like other Kanaka or even people from that have to travel there, helping out, uh, and they see it on a reel or whatever, that's actually like a real positive thing for them to see. So and like I said, social media can be a real good thing, or you could use it in, If it, you get, it could be either, it's like a double-edged sword, it could be really good or really bad, depending on how you, how you choose to, to use your platforms out. But, but I do, I was actually really, really encouraged, a lot of the videos that I saw of people of all races coming together, especially when this first happened and you see everybody in Hawaii helping, yeah, and that's really encouraging to see, like, just so much. Diverse people that were there, people from California, people from Hawaii, people that are, are just local to Hawaii, Kanaka. Everybody was helping when there was nobody there. Yeah. They'll never have FEMA there, never have Red Cross there. So that's really encouraging to see that. And that's aloha. Yeah, that's, that's, and, and, and that's, what's great about Hawaii is you have all kinds of people and they understand aloha, whether they're from that i know or not yeah so uh, that's one positive thing that that i love seeing out there on social media is is the positivity and how much people come together on the islands when it when it's really needed
1: yep totally agree javi just wanting to give just so much aloha and mahalo to each and every single person who's contributed, who still contributes, who's been there since day one, who is feeling tired, exhausted, depleted. Always remember to fill your cup first and then pour into others. It's okay to have a day of rest. It's okay to take a balance, to know that you have to malama yourself in order for you to malama others even bigger. So just so much gratitude out there to everyone on the ground everyone helping with Huakamana and really other organizations or other avenues that they can and just let's just keep going and if you need a rest rest if you need someone to lean on reach out even if it's our hoakamana ohana or not let's be each other's ulus because you know what sometimes we need that too and it's just reach out and just know that we're all supported and everyone's got, everybody else's six and then some. So just keeping the Allah spirit going and just staying in gratitude and giving gratitude to everybody out there.
0: Mahalo. All righty. So with that said, we're going to sign off for tonight. Mahalo to everybody for tuning in, whether you watched the live or on the replay. We appreciate you being a part of the Moana Nui Ohana. Go ahead. Go ahead and share, subscribe to the show. This helps us to reach, extend our reach of our, of our stories and help other people raise awareness in different parts of the world and help us to continue the mission. So take care, everybody. Until next time, manama pono, ahui ho. <laughs>